Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. The sheer size and distribution of our population will always remain a challenge for the Queensland healthcare system. But with dedication, creative thinking and the integration of new technologies, our clinicians remain at the top of their game and guarantee equitable healthcare, regardless of whether you're in the outback or on the doorstep of our biggest metro hospitals. Good morning, everyone. I'm Casey. This is Stephen. Bit hard to get us mixed up. <laughs> we're here from West Morton, a hospital and health service, and we're here to talk to you today about our project that's been running for the past year, introducing x-ray service into correctional centres across our HHS. Before we dive too far into it, though, I just want to put some things into perspective. So I want you to imagine for a minute that you've spent all day here. It's been a fantastic day. You've been listening and paying attention and you really want to reward yourself with a couple of drinks. So you find one of the lovely Brisbane bars nearby and you have a couple of drinks, then a couple more. Then you're walking outside to get into a taxi to take you home and you fall into a hole in one of the immaculately kept Brisbane City Council footpaths. You really twist your ankle. It swells up immediately and you're finding it pretty hard to put some weight onto it. What are you going to do? Well, you've got options. You can go to a hospital, present to an ED department. You can go to a 24-7 GP clinic, or you can, depending on how your pain threshold is, you can report to your GP tomorrow. If you're really tough, though, you might even just call 1300 Health for some advice. You might get x-rays in public hospital or a private practice, depending on which clinician you see, and your results and your subsequent treatment might be pretty instant. Now imagine you're in prison. What are you going to do? Does anyone here know much about healthcare delivery in a prison? Show of hands. Uh, been to a prison as staff? Uh, no? Right. <laughs> anyone watch the show uh, Orange is a New Black or anything? I'm just trying. Okay, good. We've got some hands. Anyway, green button. Oh, I did sales technologically disadvantage, but anyway, much to the disadvantaged people in the prison. Uh, so just to give you a quick idea, basically, of uh, prison, basically, and the disadvantage they have. So for someone to be sent into the emergency department, we might need to have up to, say, six security officers plus, you know, a dog squad, or it could change to two security officers, you know, just to send somebody in, plus the clearances to get them out. So it's not as easy like you just rock up to see your GP. Now, 
the more people we start to send into hospital means we gradually have to lock down the prison, obviously, for safety and everything. And what that does to us as healthcare professionals, then it makes it difficult for us to provide care for these people who need to be seen. So something as simple as, a, I don't know, cellulitis could have been treated the same day by a GP now. You know, two or three days later down the track, we've got to send them into emergency and looking at sepsis pathway and all that, cost to healthcare and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, why should we really care so much about the disadvantage and improving healthcare in the prison? Uh, I'll just flick things a little bit around and say, for example, just fun fact, it takes twice as long for an ambulance to go into a prison to pick a patient up than in the same region to pick somebody else in the community. Now you can imagine what that does to the rest of the community, put COVID in there and you know, a bit of a crisis and the ramping in the hospital as well too. And that's actually terrible outcomes for people in the community. So it kind of is important uh, that we can uh, actually improve healthcare delivery in the prison and treat them as much as we possibly can there so then we don't have to send as many people out. Uh, in saying that, it's not all doom and gloom. And Casey will share a wonderful story from what happened last year. So we thought this was a problem worth solving. You know, as one of our speakers yesterday said, there was a, a um, pretty scary moment there last year when there maybe kind of could have been an outbreak in one of our prisons. And as you can probably imagine, once there's one person in a, such a confined space, it has the potential for it to spread really quickly and overwhelm the system that's not set up to cope to treat that many patients uh, at any given time, which then subsequently puts extra pressure on the system around that, you know, the, the Queensland health system. On top of all of that, on top of the COVID response uh, from the last year, when COVID's not around, Queensland prisoner numbers are increasing at a rate of 14% per annum, um, which exceeds the population growth rate of 1.6% per annum. With these growing numbers, there's naturally an increase in the number of prisoners presenting for emergent or ongoing care. For example, over a two-year period prior to implementation in 2017 to 2019, the number of prisoners presenting to the emergency department increased by 41%. Not only does this increase in activity increase demand on health resources, such as Queensland Ambulance Service and our already full emergency departments, there's significant systemic implications um, for Queensland Corrective Services. As Stephen said, you know, prisoners have to enter a phased lockdown to accommodate for the decrease in boots on the ground which then restricts the movement around prison as well as the routine care to other patients. More importantly than any systemic benefit, though, is the benefit to our patients. It's why we all got into healthcare uh, in the first place, I'm assuming, because no one really loves night shift that much. Implementing this prison x-ray service um, also allows us as healthcare professionals to provide a primary healthcare service that is more patient-focused, more accessible and better able to provide preventative health care and management of acute and chronic conditions while providing comprehensive, safe and continuous care as close to home as possible. Uh, now, this here is just a model of care, just quickly shows in a diagram. Uh, before we actually delve into it a little bit more, we should thank uh, Metro South Futures Lab because we threw a few ideas at them just before COVID happened, couldn't have happened at a better time. But we looked at ways of how we can actually try and reduce how to send people in the hospital, uh, what ways we can do that. So patient journey basically, so say for example, someone's 
been assaulted in prison or had a fight or whatever the issue is, they'll be sent into the medical center. We have to get an ambulance. Now, the cost of that could be more than 1,800. That's the minimum values we're going here for, uh, plus triage and treatment in hospital. Now, they go to wait there, put up in a secure unit, which is busting through the seams infrastructure-wise. And then we have to get somebody else to transport the patient uh, back into the, uh, the facility. So that's just a quick snapshot of what it is. So we had to look for ways, basically, to try and reduce that. To deliver this initiative, we considered a number of ideas, some of them pretty expensive, which no one was really keen on. One of the ones that we were thinking of was a, a truck that would transport around an x-ray system and provide clinics at each centre on any given day. However, this presented a number of financial and logistical barriers. But with true Queensland Health Spirit, we decided to maximise the existing resources that we had and still have a high-impact, low-cost service. Um, and we did this by training what we call X-ray operators. And these are nurses or other staff that we use from other disciplines that are given special training permission to perform a limited scope of X-rays with supervision and feedback provided by a group of radiographic advisors from our, our uh, metropolitan hub, which is Ipswich Hospital. These operators underwent um, a six weeks virtual training uh, via the Cunningham Centre, which uh, hit all of the marks in a COVID world in that they could take this at their own pace and do it remotely. There was no face-to-face -face, uh, issues or, or access issues there. Then we did also get our staff to participate in a three-day workshop via the Cunningham Centre uh, once restrictions had eased, and this was to get their practical skills up to where it needed to be. Again, once the restrictions had further eased, they did a clinical placement to really consolidate those skills and get them up to, uh, to spec so that they could then um, transition into being operators on, on their own. We also utilised... We had to find some way to put these X-ray systems in the prisons. You know, one of our centres, we've used a classroom, we've used a consult room, we've used a variety of different spaces within health centres and the prison infrastructure already to set up mini temporary x-ray rooms. As a HHS, we also had access to some surplus x-ray machines, which was really, really handy, and they could be repurposed into these centres to take the images. The, probably the most costly part, and even then it wasn't that costly at all, was the purchase of some low-cost retrofit X-ray systems that would actually digitise the information and, and allow that to be sent to radiologists for reporting and, and further ongoing treatment. Through the Futures Lab, obviously, and the idea of the X-ray, so this is the new patient journey we'd actually envisioned. Uh, an interesting fact, anyway, when we were looking at the numbers, we figured out that over 60% of patients we'd send into hospital initially for x-rays after an altercation or injury had no findings or no fractures. So we, we proposed a simple model, even if we could just basically get the assessment done, get the x-ray done, we'd save at least 60% of the transfers into hospital. And the patient model after the Futures Lab was it's pretty straightforward. Uh, so someone has an injury. Uh, they come up to the medical center. We get an x-ray operator to take an x-ray. The GP can review the x-rays straight away as soon as they order them. If they're off-site, it's not a problem because the images are sent to the park system. They can log in and look at the images straight away, and the patient uh, goes back to the cell. Obviously, not every patient can be managed on site, and they have to be sent into hospital. So we're able to push the images straight to the PA hospital, 
and the patient, the doctors or the nurses and nurse practitioners in the PAH hospital can have a look at the images straight away. So it's all uh, failure in terms. So the patient not waiting for x-rays when they get to uh, PAHED, they skip that process basically. So they'll go in, get triaged, seen by somebody and, you know, uh, instead of having a length of stay of six hours, uh, which seems to be about the average, they have a turnaround time of about two to three hours, which is great. Since the go live in March this year, we've seen some pretty significant results of having an x-ray service on site. The data originally uh, said that over a six-month period we'd be expected to x-ray about 164 patients. We've x-rayed 152, which is pretty close to what we were expecting. We've also x-rayed an additional 100 patients for chronic management or, or other reasons. Of the 152 patients that were acutely imaged, um, only 26 of these, or 30%, uh, were transferred out of prison to a hospital to receive treatment or further care. And this is such a phenomenal number, considering that before an x-ray service would have been on site, 100% of those patients would have been transferred to hospital for care. This equates to roughly a $400,000 saving in just six months. We're hoping that with some additional training for our GPs and our nurse practitioners on site um, in orthopaedic reduction and plastering techniques, that, that we'll be able to reduce that number even further. Um, uh, there's also been a reduced, obviously, outpatient department x-rays uh, done as well at the PA hospital, I should say. So obviously, just to quickly recap this, because we're running out of time, there's benefits for all stakeholders. You know, we're talking corrective services. Queensland Ambulance Services would be the same. They're also not wasting so much time in ramping, you know. Uh, and at the end of it all, all the money comes from the government anyway. So cost savings, regardless where we are, we're still having a cost savings. And most importantly as well, I should really point out, is that the patients are getting timely care, and they're getting care closer to home, which keeps in line with the strategic alignment uh, for Queensland Health and Western Modern Prison Health Services. So we have a few next steps, and I'll just quickly glaze over them. Um, by the end of this year, we're adding three new centres, which brings our total number of x-ray services in centre to seven. On a small... Oh, we're also advising um, on the inclusion of medical imaging in the yet-to-be-built Supermax prison at Gatton, which is due to be finished in 2024. And this is a really great step forward in considered care for the prison population. But further than this, we're hoping that we can increase point-of-care testing in other ways, such as ultrasound and telehealth, to really, really keep all those inmates where they need to be, but getting the care that they need at the same time. Yeah, we are excited about the virtual fracture clinics uh, with Ipswich Hospital and the teleorthopedic model with PAH. Uh, just got to sort out a few things uh, before we can get that underway. Next, we just want to thank everyone who's been able to support this project, everyone from obviously prison health, offender health, medical imaging department at IGH as well. Uh, most importantly as well, the stars of the show who are the x-ray operators who pretty much in a six-week in a pandemic uh, pretty much learned all these things online. Uh, obviously, Casey had supported us through the journey. But just one last comment I'd like to say is, I know this is a small project, and what I'm hoping we can actually do from this is to scale it. So we're scaling up across the prisons. And it would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we could scale this to other sectors, you know, aged care? Can we maybe do this in... Uh, other areas, you know, maybe change them a little bit to try and get patients getting more uh, care closer to home. Uh, and I'll just leave that up with you to have a think about that. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. 
This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.